We are not telling you to quit your job. Here at Off The Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast, we are teaching you exactly how to gain your freedom as a healthcare professional in places that school never taught you. This is OTC University and class is in session. Welcome to another edition of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneur Podcast. As always, I'm the captivating, motivating, tentilating, and money-making Mr. Carl Boyne Jr. <laughs> and I got my main man, Mr. Paulo Ching, in the building. Paul, say what's up to the people. What's up? What's up to the people? It's your boy, Paul. I'm glad to be here on this episode. I'm excited. And I got to say this. Um, listen, I, shout out to y'all for rocking with us this far into the show. We really appreciate it. You guys are all showing out. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited for this episode. This is going to be a different one too, a good one. I've said that before, but I really mean it. Like this is going to be a banger. So let's go. I don't know. You sound like you say that to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. Sound like gas. Sound like cap. I don't know. Well, then you got to come through with the fire. So we're going to see um guys you know we love to bring you special guests every week this week is no exception guests that upgrade your life your business your brand lifestyle everything right so without further ado i do want to go ahead and introduce our guest for this episode we have the ceo of bff publishing which is an acronym for books for the future and the goal of BFF is to publish inspirational works that future doctors, artists, presidents, and entrepreneurs would want to read and even write. And it's a minority-owned independent publishing house. The guest that we have today is also the author of the book, The Adventures of Jet Antoinette, The Day of the White House Turned Green, as well as a TEDx talk speaker on child literacy and a financial educator. She is a graduate of Clark Atlanta University and the FAMU. And she yes. is also a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Shout out to Crimson and Cream team. Without Yay. further ado, let me go <laughs> ahead and introduce our guest for today. We have the lovely Miss Tony Mutcherson in the building. <laughs> Yes, sir. <laughs> Tony, Tony, talk to us. How you feeling? Oh, man, that was so wonderful. I love it. We got, I could do this every week, you know, so uh, <laughs> thank you all for having me here. It's such a pleasure. I'm so excited. I'm loving the energy. So let's do it. Absolutely. Let's hop right into it. So, uh, Tony, just right out the gate, one of the things we like to start with is why. Right, because how can you really talk about a brand, a business, anything you have going on without first starting with why? So right out the gate, tell us why did you choose to pursue the field that you're in and talk to us a little bit about some of the extrinsic and intrinsic factors that kind of pushed you in the direction that you're in right now. That is a great question. So um when I was at Clark my freshman year, I remember um, just being on the yard and someone walked up to me and she was a homeless woman, probably in like her forties or fifties. And she stopped me and asked me to read a pamphlet that she had. And it was basically about like a homeless shelter and she needed to know where it was, 
um, the different things that it offered because someone gave it to her. And that was my life-changing moment to have someone have to go out their way to wander on a college campus, to have a student read to them. I was just like, and she was Black. And so it really just resonated with me. Um, at that time, I was a business major and I just knew that I was going to be working for some Fortune 500 company doing my thing thing. And um, it just didn't turn out that way. I end up writing. I've always been a writer. So when I was pregnant, I decided to name my daughter Jet, J-E-T-T. And people had no problem telling me that they loved it or hated that name, like strangers and all. And so I was like, huh, I'm going to celebrate this name. I'm going to write children's books about my child. And so I wrote all these books about Jet Antoinette, the adventures of Jet Antoinette. And I started a publishing company because I wanted to publish my own book. I had this vision to be to write a book that was written, published, and illustrated by members of Delta. I had no idea that it was going to turn into what it is today. And um, after publishing my book, people would come to me like, hey, how did you write a book? How did you publish it? Tell me about the process. Can you publish my book? And so that turned into a business. So I just had the open mind and open heart to to do it because I had the tools and resources right and um, for me my passion is children so I publish all type of genres but I love publishing children I love publishing children's books I love going into the classroom encouraging kids to read to become writers and so um what I want to ask you really just mm -hmm. kind of alludes back to the process of it right because you might be the first person that we have ever met, at least that I know, I don't know about Carl, that has their own publishing house, right? And I say this, no, growing up, like, I don't remember what that publishing company was, but they always used to be in every book I read. Um, and I absolutely knew nothing about it, never knew <laughs> what the process was like, never knew what it mm -hmm. took to actually like do it. I mean, we did the whole become an author thing for one little short story in like fifth grade. But that's about the exposure that I personally have, right? So the question mm -hmm. I want to ask is just the process of creating your own publishing company, right? What were some of those motivations behind mm -hmm. like the process of it? And then two, what, like, if you could give us like maybe a breakdown of like the top three things you had to do to make sure stuff was lined up correctly for it to be successful, what would those things be? So I became a publishing company by really just, doing research. I was already an author, so I kind of knew like some of the things that I had to do when I was submitting to a publishing house. And um, I kind of took note of all the things I did not like with that process. And so I omitted all of that stuff in my publishing house. Um, and I'm an independent publisher. It's a bit of a hybrid between self-publishing and like a mega, mega um, publishing house, right? In a sense that you have a lot of my authors have a lot of say as far as what happens with their book, where that what platforms their book is on, who do we print the comp, who do we print the comp the books through, what company, and um, 
like how much we priced their book, all of those things. I didn't have a voice in when I was submitting to a publishing house. I wanted to figure it out. So it kind of just motivated me to do my research. And then I kind I prayed about it. And it was just like God aligned the perfect mentor for me, like right in my path. And it, this is my major key for everybody. Share your dreams with people. I know that a lot of people be like, oh, let's not talk about it. Just be about it. But you just never know if you talk about it to someone who that person can put you in connection with. So I remember sharing my dream. I was like, I'm about to start a publishing company. I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm excited. And I just kind of went through why I was doing it. And she was like, wow, like my girlfriend in Texas, she is a publisher and she's been doing it for a few years. Shout out to just like Sam you just FAMU is everywhere. So she went to uh, the, school of, the School of Journalism at FAM. I never met her before. I called her and that connection was literally like life-changing. She literally told me, I want to see you win and gave me the whole game. She would stay on the phone with me. She told me what I needed to purchase, what organizations I should join, like what books to read. She just held my hand through the whole thing. And so that was invaluable for, for me because I didn't know. I would have probably wasted several years trying to like figure it out, trial and error. But because she had been doing it for years before me, same age as me, and I, I was just really impressed with that. And because she gave to me, I like to give back to others because that's, I feel like that's how we as a people should be operating. So we gotta just kind of get rid of that, that mentality of like, oh, don't, I ain't gonna talk about it. I don't want nobody to steal my idea and all of those things because you just never know the power of community and connection. Um, so yeah, she was able to tell me all the things I needed to do. And as far as like the three big things that I had to do um, as a publisher, <laughs> one, hire people like I needed help I had to hire someone to be my editor because I'm not a professional editor and that is like super important when you have a book who wants to read a book full of errors right it like messes with your credibility no one has the time and people can't wait to call you out on that so I think it's really extremely important so I invested in a, a great editor Secondly, knowing just what the industry standard is, I can't be out here like, hey, I want to publish your book. I don't know much about genres. I don't know the platforms that books are published on. I don't know how to market, you know, so I had to just become savvy on the industry itself. And um, formatting, like <laughs> formatting is still one of the my nemesis, I hate formatting books, but I do it um, until I find a, a strong formatter that I trust. So knowing that there is a, um, basically like or, organizing a book and structuring a book the proper way, that's a necessity in publishing books. So just knowing what the industry standard is, and if you could have someone to give you that guidance, if that's just someone that you know is doing it, or if you can invest in a mentor to alleviate just that burden of trial and error, costly expenses, um, those are the things that I would certainly say I had to just make sure I knew what I was doing. So with all that being said, um, one of the things that we like to do on the podcast is kind of educate 
people, you know, on how they can kind of get these things started and uh, like some of the steps and things like that that yeah. you took to, to get going. But before diving really deep into that, I think it's very important to kind of debunk some of the myths and some of the kind of false narratives that people have around whatever that certain field may be. And for today, that's publishing, right? Yeah. So what would you say has been the biggest and if you if you have a couple, what would you say would probably be the the top three like biggest myth and misconceptions in the industry that you think kind of stop people from being able to do what you're doing at the level you're doing right now? Um, well, I would talk about authorship because I feel like that is um, a low hanging fruit. Like anybody can become an author right, and it pays royalties, it's like a one-time job that you can continually um, receive income from, so one of the myths of writing maybe your first book is that you need to be an exceptional writer, right, to tell your story, and that's just not true, a lot of people a lot of people write how they speak and so they're embarrassed about that and they're like oh I don't want to but I have this amazing story I just don't want to write it out so I would say just write I always encourage people to write even if you're gonna write the story just like you speak just write anyway because if you have a strong editor it's all going to come together and they're going to do their job to make you um, to articulate that story for you so that's number one, like people get in their own heads about their stories and their testimonies or um, things like that. And then secondly, people don't believe that there's a space for, for their story. So I always encourage people to look at like all the gas stations, look at all these people that do lashes, look at all these barbershops, it's room for you, it's room at the top. I was raised on that, that literally, my mom said that all the time to us, like, She's like, why are you worried about what other people are doing? There is room at the top. So even if you've already read a book that's similar to your story, I would still encourage you to write that book anyway, because it's yours. It's unique and your story matters. You just never know how many people will stumble across that book and be inspired. You can save a life. You could redirect someone's life you leave a legacy, honestly, and that's what I advocate for, for my people to leave a legacy through writing. Um, for years and years and years, books were written by others, and they were about us, and so it's been a lot of false narratives. It's been hidden um, just meanings in books that had to be pulled off shelves because of underlining racism and all types of things where we are such beautiful people, we have such tremendous talent in our community, we should write and tell those stories so that our children and their children, children can see what, what was it like from the Black perspective, the Black experience. And third, and it doesn't, um, I have affordable packages and I have, um, I offer payment plans because I know that that's a barrier for some people. Like, I don't want to, I don't know, that's a lot of money to put out for a book that may or may not sell. Whereas with me, I like to 
not only teach my authors about the publishing process, but put them in a position where they can sell as many copies as possible. I know how to, I figure out the algorithm for Amazon so I can make you a bestseller. I can give you a, um, an award so that you're an award-winning author, right? Just from my publishing house. So I understand the importance of titles and positioning your book on certain platforms and, and just really making it affordable experience because more than anything, I do want to be remembered. Like if there was a way that I could be in a Guinness World Record for publishing the most Black children, I would be that person. I am I am just so passionate about our kids and them knowing that you can be a writer right now. You can write your story. Like you don't have to wait till you're an adult to do anything, honestly, in this day and age, and especially writing. So become an author. A lot of kids don't become things because they think that I'm not old enough or I didn't even know I could do that until I saw somebody that looked like me do that thing. So I'm here to normalize sharing the Black experience, sharing the Black story. You know, I like the fact that you brought up that example, because it makes me think about like how we talked about it before. But that's one of the things when people be like, I don't know, there's already enough people doing this, this and that. And I'm just like, go into a grocery store right now. Go down the bread aisle and tell me how many bread companies. <laughs> They're all selling the same exactly. exact thing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> They're selling bread. But yeah, it's like 50 to 100 companies in there yeah. still selling that bread. So like, I love that example where there's always room to eat. Um, yeah. There's always room for, for growth. So now this leads me to my next question, though, because I think for a lot of people, like you said, one of those misconceptions, and I love that you hit it because people legitimately don't know how much it costs in particular mm -hmm. um, to like even be an author, right? Yeah. Like I said before, we did a little thing in school, but I mean, the teachers were just trying to pass time. There was zero <laughs> substance in that experience. Mm -hmm. But okay, so answer this uh, from a two perspective. One, when it comes to being an author, right? Give us a ballpark. Mm -hmm. People are trying to get into the details. They can hit you up yeah. and they can come find out. But in the ballpark, how much on average would you say for somebody to realistically do well and become an author? How much would they have to invest in themselves to actually see some success? And then two, from your perspective, how much do you as a publisher have to invest like in your authors to make sure that they can, you know, start to see some of those returns while you see some returns as well and help them? Okay. So with my company, the way I structured is, is that I literally just set you up. I get your book edited. I format your book. I upload it to several different platforms. We do have a marketing component where we can create some marketing material for you. Outside of that, you just pay a one-time fee. I set you up and do all this stuff. I don't take royalties. And I'm like my mom and other people are like, you wild and you tripping like you should be that's money you will have forever from all these authors i just have not set up my company to do that yet because again i mean i'm this is my livelihood i i publish i write i speak right but for me i think i know how sometimes our people are like oh you gonna I, you gotta pay for the book. I got to pay for somebody to illustrate it if it's a children's book. I got to pay, 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 pay. And you're going to take money 
um, on the back end too. So from, I just don't do that. I'm not comfortable with that. Um, so that's what I think one of the benefits of publishing through my company is, whereas other people that are kind of set up as a hybrid company, they're going to make you pay up front and you're going to have to share those royalties with them. Um, not to say that I won't do that in the future, but um, right now, for the last four years, I've not been doing that. And so um, as far as the cost, it really depends. Like I have a la carte type of service list, right? And so again, to so just maximize the entry for Black people. Um, you don't have to pick everything. What can you afford? So I send them a, a list with all of like my price information. And I say, hey, you can get it all, bundle it all together for this price, or you can pick and choose because I'm not here to just take all your money. I literally do like it's really a passion of mine for my people to become authors in this space. Um, so people have picked just the bare minimum to get the book out there and come back around, circle back and invest it more into the book. So um, I, I, I'm competitively priced, but I do have that component where people can pick different things instead of, hey, it's I'm hit you across the head and this uh, it costs this all at one time. Then there's also a payment plan. Um, I'm sorry, what was the other question? You actually hit them both. Okay. <laughs> hit them both right there. So thank you for that. Yo, I really hope y'all are taking notes right now. Like, if you're listening to this episode, you should be taking notes because Tony's dropping so much gems for you guys to be able to take advantage of. Um, Tony, let me ask you now, just from a standpoint of everything that you have going on, I feel like we haven't we haven't asked this question in a while, and it's important because I think that it's very critical to be able to have kind of that, that work-life balance, right? Yeah. So kind of describe to us, like, how do you keep yourself balanced in the midst of everything that you're doing, right? Because you have your hands in a, in, in a lot, you know, you're also a mother, you know, you have your own personal life and, and, and things that you need to worry about. So how do you, be able to show up every day for yourself and other people at this level, but still continue to kind of keep yourself balanced and not burn yourself out? Yeah, that's a great question. And I am still working through that. But as of today, I am advocating for therapy. Um, I I see a therapist every week, like your mental capacity impacts everything, like every inch of your life. And I think that growing up, I didn't hear much about people going to a therapist and talking about things. And then when I did get older, it was like people with issues had to go talk to someone. But now the world is upside down and it's normalized for people to have therapy. And for me, it, it was the, one of the best investments I could have made. I just started going earlier this year, but I see a significant change because you have so much going on. We have like these thousand thoughts every single day. We're making decisions in like split seconds and that can wear on you, especially as an entrepreneur. Like 
like you said, I am a mother, I have a relationship, I'm a daughter, sister, all of those things. And I have all these authors that are relying on me to put out their works. And so it's a great responsibility to be publishing 12 people at one time. <laughs> um, and so then on top of that is me. I, I can't fire myself. So I have to show up. I could just be like, you know what, I'm going to watch this show, then I'm going to run to the store, then I'm going to get on the computer. No, it's like having, you have to have discipline or I'm having a horrible day. I don't want to work to speak to somebody about these things that are going on in my life has really helped me balance out all my responsibilities because I'm talking to her and I chose a black woman as my therapist because of that relatability. And whoever you are, I would, I would just urge you to find someone who's like you, you know, I mean, if you can't, you go with what you can, but just having someone that understands me as a woman, understands me as a Black woman, has been very empowering, right? And so self-care is, it has to happen. So I take baths. Like, it's, I was a shower person all the time, just like, let me run in the shower, let me, no. So I make a habit to sit down in the bathtub and play some classical music or just be in silence and just take a 15, 20 minute bath, you know, um, it helps, it helps balance this thing out because there's a lot going on even outside of my little world, right? With the pandemic and all type of stuff. So I would say self-care has really helped me to become the person who I am today. And I can give because you can't really give from a cup that's empty. And that's what happens. I've been burnt out before I've, I've experienced that so much so that I wanted to give up on publishing. I was like, y'all, this is too much. All these personalities, all these stories and it was just a lot of responsibility I had at one time trying to go out and speak at schools and publish books and, you know, all that stuff. And I didn't want to do it anymore. It took me to that dark place of like, I'm about to reevaluate my life. What, let me, I need to play the lottery. I need to get into something fast that's just going to give me all the money I need. But I realized that this is a part of my calling. And there was a quote that I read, um, it said, conviction is not always convenient. So when you're convicted to do something, you got to get out of that, that mentality that it's going to be a walk in the park because it's not, it's not. If you're convicted to do something, it's like a calling. It's going to constantly call it. You can't just flip it off. And so I feel like this is a part of the calling on my life is to be, a, to be in a position where I can teach people about sharing their stories, about the benefits of becoming an author. You can become a speaker because now you're an expert on whatever you've written and monetizing that. So, yeah. Mm, 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 mm. Go to therapy, y'all. Um, no, we really <laughs> believe in that. We've actually, I think a couple episodes ago, we had a therapist on here too from Houston. But the reason why I say that is, people got just unresolved issues that can come up at any moment. And uh, Carl said it best, like the other episode, he was just like, there's no money in your feelings, right? And so a lot of those issues are unresolved and start to pop up and they start messing up with the flow of what it is you're doing with the service you're providing to people with the fact that you're out here to serve people. And 
we're all jacked up inside. Like I, I 100% <laughs> believe in that. no, I, I'm serious. I 100% believe in that. Um, folk, just just go talk to somebody about your problems. Talk to somebody. Go talk, talk to somebody. somebody. Okay, you got them. You got problems. Everybody does. It's okay. Go see somebody about them. <laughs> Better to be healthy than not. It's not a secret. We all have problems. We all yeah. have problems. <laughs> have <mercy. laughs> Listen. So there's um, solutions. There are for every problem. There's a solution. So if you can't come up with it yourself. Somebody has a solution. You need to go talk to that person. Facts. Exactly. And so you know what? What? And on the topic of that, right? Talking about therapy. And how it's helped you remain balanced. Now, the other side of that question kind of comes into then, okay, you're doing a lot. You you like you're successful, you're 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 doing the thing. So we have to ask them what some of those success habits are. And this is because I think we generally believe in the uh the process of being able to emulate success, even if you can't find it within yourself, find somebody that has it and try to do what they do, even if you can't see below it. But since we have you here. We want to be able to kind of get below the surface and be like, okay, what are some of the things you do that do, in fact, put you in a place where you remain successful, right? So what are some of like your top two, three, four success habits? Mm, that's good. Um, really knowledge. Like I'm an avid reader and I swapped out um, radio time all the time. Instead, I'll listen to clubhouse or I'll listen to a audible book because reading is my profession I don't like it so much but I, I love books so I decided that I'm a book listener so I listen to audible and that's really a game changer like if you have the knowledge and millionaires read like crazy um I talked about it in my TED talk about how Bill Gates reads a book a week right it's like 50 something books a year and he's able to monetize that knowledge because the average person is only read two or three books in a whole year, two or three books. Like there's no money involved with that. But if people started looking at pages like paper, then they would change their perspective. And there are so many different avenues. So I just confess, like, I don't like, like actually reading because I do that all the time. So I'm not going to use that as misuse. I found a way. I made a way. And that was by just listening to books. So I turned my car into like my college by listening to different subjects and topics so that I am empowered with that knowledge and listening to experts on Clubhouse. Now you got to vet some of them, some people there with the clout, but it is literally a space where you can get on stage with somebody and ask that question that you don't know about your industry or the industry that you're considering so I would certainly say knowledge is power for real for real so position yourself with power um, by just absorbing knowledge the best way that you can that's one way that I remain successful Um, secondly I do stuff that scares me all the time (laughs) and I have to have those talks to myself I'm like all right you're going to do this. <laughs> you can do this. Other people did it. It's like the TED Talk. I wanted to, that was like a goal of mine forever. I signed up for the notifications. I saw when they were accepting applications and I, I wanted to do it. So I, I just submitted the application. But when I got accepted, I was terrified <laughs> of getting on the TEDx stage and speaking. 
And um, I did that and that has empowered me because that is on my resume. Like, you know, I can say I did this and that has allowed me to be compensated more because of that title, right? And so I would encourage people to write out a couple of things that absolutely terrify you, but you know that that reward on the other side is worth it. So go out and just do it. Just go kill it. Just do it. And that's hard for a lot of people to wrap their mind around. You want me to go do the scariest thing I can think of, but just knowing that your whole, that lifestyle that you want is on the other side of that, it's worth it, right? And especially if you have children and you want to, you're thinking about your legacy, you can't, you don't want to live in fear. So that would be my second thing to, to do is, you know what you need to do, just make it happen. And even if you have to invest in yourself, that would be the third thing, invest in yourself go to that conference, listen to that course, do whatever you have to do, get certified in that thing so that you can start saying, oh, nah, y'all got to pay me that bag because these are my credentials now. Yes, ma'am. You got to pay me that bag because these are my credentials. <laughs> right. I'm going to go tweet that later. Um, <laughs> but Tony, there's something that we like to do every episode and um, I'm going to kind of alter things a little bit this episode. So it's, it's our Black Health segment, right? And for our Black Health segment, we typically just kind of talk about something that is affecting the Black community from a health standpoint, you know, so it may be mm -hmm. diabetes, it may be hypertension, you know, there's so many different things we've, we've spoken about. But I actually kind of want to take it a different route today and i'm hoping that we can kind of have you lead today's black health segment and it's mm -hmm. going to be more so from a mental health standpoint right because you mentioned um that you you love books and mm -hmm. i'm an avid bookworm as well so i love that and i was wanting for this segment for you to kind of tell us like what would you say has been the most influential or your favorite book that you have read like african-american literature um mm. why would you recommend <laughs> that to our people as well oh man that is so y'all came with all the fire questions right y'all are doing y'all thing um by a black author a book that has really impacted me um let me let me look at the title because I don't want to botch this. Give me one second. Yeah. Edit this part out. <laughs> While I go to, I know it's thinking grow rich from the black. Ah, uh, Dennis Kimbrough. Yes, and you know why? That was my college professor. Like that was my professor. I have autograph copy of that book from Clark Atlanta he taught in the business school and that book just really helped helped me put things in perspective so I would I'm certainly going to suggest that I have to suggest that book um and I know that you know it's from a mental health space and health space but I also just from a health space if I could just talk about and I don't know how to bring it up, but my my father had stage four cancer, lung cancer, right? He was diagnosed with it, like stage four off the rip. 
So I want to also encourage us to take care of ourselves um, and be careful what we put into our, our bodies and our temples because, you know, he was a smoker. So if my dad hadn't smoked, I just think his life would be different right now, right? And we can't go back in time, but we can make some changes right now. So we all may have, you know, we all have room for improvement. So if you know that you're a smoker, just think about your family. Like this is maybe the hardest time of my life. One of the hardest times of my life, just being um, in a position where I'm, I can't do anything. I, I just have this support with love, right? Or encouraging words. And that feels very powerless sometimes. So I would encourage everybody to just take an assessment of what are the, some of the bad things that you're putting into your bodies and just think about your family. So I just had to throw that in because that's just really on my heart right now. Perfect. Thank you. And that's today's Black Health segment. Go ahead, Paul. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I definitely hear that. And, that, and like, just to kind of echo that a little bit, too, for my next question, that's real because it's like something that I think my fiance and I, we've been talking about recently. It's just like the stuff we put in our body and like yeah. how, how we take care of ourselves because, mm-hmm. man, like it's before you know it, before you know it, things go left if, if you're not careful. So we appreciate yeah. you being willing to share that from a vulnerable space. Um, I'm going to transition a little bit to talk about your initiative, to talk about how you give back to the community, because the people got to know, right? The people got to know, because you just out here crushing it. I think it's important for us to be able to cover that and talk about that and be able to open up the doors for the people who are listening, who have people that are listening, who know people that need to be involved in what they're doing. Um, So let's let them know. Just talk to us about your initiative. Talk to us about how you're giving back to the community. Sure. So I have this initiative. It is called My Young Life Matters. And last year, I set out to publish 100 Black American children free in in an an anthology. Um, All they had to do was be Black, (laughs) be age 6 to 17. And last year, we had a structure where they just filled out an application that can be found at bffpublishinghouse.com and then submit a a work, right? And they could have submitted a poem, essay, a short story about Black empowerment, police brutality, or social injustice, because last year we saw the world go crazy. We saw police kill us left and right. And so I had to have that conversation with my daughter, who was eight at the time, like, this is what's happening in the world and this is why. And so as a parent, I just was, I thought to myself, if I'm having this tough conversation, I'm pretty sure caregivers and other guardians are doing the same thing. And I wanted to, again, back to that mental health space, provide a place for our children to express themselves. What does it feel like to be eight years old and see this constantly in front of you on the television? What does that feel like to go to a protest at such a young age and feel empowered to be able to hold up a sign and um, advocate for peace for our people? And so I set out to publish 100 Kids to talk about that. And they were from all over. Of course, it was virtual and it is still virtual. So last year, the book is called My Young Life Matters. The subtitle is The Next Generation Speaks. All of the kids received um, 
courses on how to write an essay, how to write a short story, how to write a poem. And they received a copy of my book, how my ebook, how to secure the children's book bag, right? Where they can, they learned about um, the publishing company. Um, industry and the writing process and so this year we're doing it again we're about halfway filled with kids so we have about 50 kids we need 50 more it is a completely free initiative this year it is still my young life matters but the subtitle is poetic injustice and this year we're only accepting poems and um, we and it's a, the setup is different so they can still apply online but then every Sunday I host a poetry session or workshop where I teach kids about poetry. I teach them about four very popular forms of poems of poetry. And then they still have to write about black empowerment, police brutality or social injustice. And I speak on those things as well. And it's about an hour long. After that, they have real time to just write right there in front of me and ask me questions or they can submit it to me via email. And all of this is free to our kids. So it is a fundraiser initiative and people can donate on my website, um, bffpublishinghouse.com or via GoFundMe, where if you just type in um, My Young Life Matters or Tony Mutcherson, all of that information would come up um, because it is completely free for them. And it's free because again, I needed to do something, right? I just couldn't stand by and not do anything. This is my thing. My thing is publishing and writing. So I wanted to offer that to children because like I said earlier, sometimes kids don't know that they can be a doctor until they've come to, a, or they go see a doctor that looks like them or, you know, a scientist or anything. So they see that and they see someone representing that for them. And so I represent that for our kids. I show them that, hey, look, a hundred other Black kids from all over New York, Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, they all wrote in this book, and so can you. And what does that do for a little child that didn't write in it, but picks it up and able to see like, oh, what? A nine-year-old wrote this? I'm nine years old? That's empowering, right? That, that normalizes it. That's like, this is my story written by someone else, and I could do it too. Um, so yeah, that's my passion project. Um, that's what I'm doing. That's amazing, Tony. Wow. Like, <laughs> oh man, you, you are doing some amazing things, my friend. And, <laughs> uh, you. no, seriously, you're, you're, you're such a blessing to our community, right? Because oh, you're you. helping our people break through barriers that we didn't think could be broken through you know and it's it's no small thing what you're doing you know so let us just give you your flowers right now like what you're doing is amazing and um you know we're we're in your corner 100 so anything we could ever do to help you you let us know um thank you of course but i do want to I do want to, you know, ask um, just from a, a standpoint of like, and this this will be this will be my last question, and then we'll we'll, we'll wrap up. But just from a yeah, standpoint of everything that you've been able to kind of accomplish, and 
we kind of talked a little bit about your circle of influence earlier. I just wanted to ask you, okay. kind of looking across the, the lay of the land um, in terms of publishing and writing and, and authors, who would you say is on your Mount Rushmore in terms of authors? Like, who would you say is like your top five? Mm. Top five authors. I'm gonna have to say myself. <laughs> Tony Mutcherson. <laughs> and I would probably name people that you all don't know because you know the people that no, they already have that notoriety. They've already made it. So if I'm in a position to talk about somebody, maybe I Google go to their website up to that status yet. I would say um, one of my authors, her name is Brandy McAllister. And she's doing some really dope things. She's the spiritual advisor. Um, she writes books about just the spiritual journey as a young black person um she talks about <clears throat> just god and relationships with god and she's authored two books the first one is freedom prayers and that's a devotional and the second one is um, my way or god's will so you should definitely check that out another author would be um Felicia Dilbert, she wrote a book called Beautiful Healing, where she just talked about her life journeys, her struggles, how she overcame them. And her books are available at beautifulhealing.org. Another author would be um, TJ Payton. She wrote a book called Seeming Secrets. Um, and her story is about discovering that her husband is dealing with infertility and they're married. All she wanted out of life was to have children and what that journey was like as a wife that cannot have kids as long as she stayed married to the love of her life. That's three, four. The fifth person would be all of the authors in My Young Life Matters one. Their stories are incredible. I mean, I gave all of them awards. They're all award-winning authors because they just, raw and real about being a young black person right now in America. Perfect. Um, man, thank you. Thank you so much for just donating your time to us, you know, and this episode is going to be one that is going to be very, very helpful for the culture. And um, just, wow, just thank you so much. You know, like there's there's not really much to say, but thank you for, you know, <laughs> making time for us. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're grateful. Like I said, anything that we can help you with, don't hesitate to let us know. Um, <clears throat> we'll definitely. Keep... I got to take y'all up on that offer. I got to take y'all up on that offer. I need y'all to help me get kids. Help me to get kids to become published, award-winning, best-selling authors. Okay. I just need you to help me sign up some kids. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. We'll definitely. So um, maybe we can go live on your Instagram or I could send you a flyer that you could shoot out to your community or something where I could just get more kids to show up to become authors. 
For sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we'll we'll talk the the logistics um after after the the show. But for sure. Um we definitely could do that. Um and 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 we'll we'll also keep you and your family in our prayers, you know, for your dad. Mm-hmm. Um, of course. For anyone who's listening and this is their first time being exposed to you, what would be some contact info or social media information you would want to leave with them for them to reach out to you? Absolutely. BFFpublishinghouse.com. On there is all the social links. We are at BFF Publishing on everything else, Instagram and Facebook. And I don't tweet and I should, right? Because I'm an author. I should just like to write, but I don't. So you can follow us on Twitter, but we're really not there. Um, Instagram and Facebook is where you can find us. And I am at Tony Mutcherson, but that last name is so, I'll spell it M-U-T-C-H-E-R-S-O-N. But if you just follow at BFF Publishing, you'll see me tag you all the posts anyway. So you can start there. Awesome. Sounds good. To our lovely listeners, it is that time of the episode where we have to say ta-ta for now. Um, Guys, if you got some value from this episode, please do us a favor. Go to the Apple podcast page, find OTC, scroll all the way down, hit that five stars, and also write a review, two or three sentences letting us know why this episode was so influential. Um, We say it every episode, and we're going to keep saying it. Stop texting us, stop messaging us, telling us how amazing the episodes were and go leave the reviews so other people know as well. Um, But seriously, we appreciate you guys. We love you. Go hit Tony up, right? Go, if you, you know, young black boys, you know, young black girls, bring them to Tony. All right. And let's, Let's make some more authors in the in the black community and, and continue to push the culture forward. But with that being said, we love you guys. Until next time, peace, many blessings. Thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Clock. Don't be shy to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. See you next episode.